0: Hey guys, Barry here, back for another episode of the Comeback Game podcast. Uh, pretty excited to have Lisa Messenger on the line today. Lisa, how you doing, Dylan?
1: I'm good. I was just saying before we went on air, it's so nice to connect with you. It's beautiful and I'm glad we get to do this publicly. <laughs> but I <haven't> physically, <laughs> I haven't physically seen you for like three or four years, so... Yeah, so whoever's watching, listening is going to get our real-time conversation, which is pretty,
0: pretty
1: special and no doubt pretty juicy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so three to four years, uh, lots probably changed, lots gone on. Where are things out for you now? Like, I feel like my only relationship with you is through uh, Instagram, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very much appreciated that uh, you can join me today.
1: Yeah, where are things at? Gosh, which... I, I can take you on any bit of the trajectory. Where would you like to go? Oh, Life, okay. business. <laughs> Constant evolution. And I just watched your um your three and a half minute video or whatever on your website. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of um a lot of synergies and I think we'll have a lot to talk about and I loved your messaging and everything that you seem to stand for now from what I've been watching from the sidelines. So yeah, go for gold. You can ask me whatever you want, but I can get you up to speed if you want, first of all.
0: Yeah, well I, I think we'll we'll get up to speed and what I will kind of kick off with is that you know what I see is that we we never have business problems. do <laughs> we? we, we Don't only, we, we only ever have personal problems that are expressed through our business. Uh,
1: yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting take. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So catch me up. Where are we
1: at? Uh, so we kind of need to go back, back. So I started my first business October 22nd, 2001. So it's just over 17 years ago. And then I'll leap forward <laughs> um, but yeah, the first 11 years of that business, I was kind of over servicing, undercharging, you know, being everything to everyone. Lots of small businesses can relate. And then finally in 2012, I came up with what I didn't know would be a, a groundbreaking, world changing idea at the time, but um, the idea for Collective Hub, which I launched in March 2013, as you know. Um, and I launched it. a print magazine because I was frustrated and I think you know that's a great place to start when (laughs) you when you go to businesses what's the pain point and if you're feeling it other people are as well and um, Collective was launched really for entrepreneurs and creatives and startups to tell the story behind the story and the pain points the good the bad the ugly and the stuff that so seldom is talked about and I just wanted to you know find out you know, the hows and the whys. I was frustrated myself as an entrepreneur for the previous 11 years that no one seemed to be having real conversations, you know. And so, yeah, so I don't know how much of that you want me to go into now, but three staff under the age of 25, no idea what we were doing, never worked for media, never worked for a magazine, but had a really, really, really strong vision. And yeah, and in a the market that was highly saturated that people said was dead or dying. So everything was stacked against me. And then within 18 months, the print magazine was in 37 countries. And suddenly I was at the helm of this huge beast, you know, and we can dig right into all of that. But it was extraordinary and like the wildest journey I've ever had. But mm. at about year three and a half, Um, I suddenly got really out of control. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, you talk a bit about this and I know what what you're doing at the moment, but what I've learned is, you know, bigger certainly isn't better. And it was kind of fascinating that I started with this huge vision and, you know, three staff, everyone was on like 30 grand or whatever the lowest was that you could pay. Suddenly I had 32 full-time staff, over $3 million in fixed salaries, an office that costs nearly 300 grand a year. Everything seems to be in 300,000s or something. And um, and it became all about systems and processes and HR and IT and finance and legal and kill me now. That's not my sweet spot. Like I am brilliant at... um, being a visionary and seeing things before they exist, and you know, creating and moving forward, I'm terrible at all the aforementioned. And so, suddenly, I found myself not kind of in my sweet spot and going, Wow, be careful what you step into. You know, I stepped so far and so deep into my purpose, and suddenly, I was drowning, <laughs> and it wasn't fun for a while, you know. And, um, and that is probably. The second, well, actually, in equal measure, the most extraordinary thing I've ever done was in April this year, I decided to break the very thing that I'd started. So a lot of people say to me at the moment, what's the most amazing thing you've ever done? I'm like, well, it's twofold. One was having the courage to start something like Collective Hub that got so freaking big and, you know, my wildest dreams. And the second in equal measure is having the courage to break it. And I've really broken it, like I've cut the absolute, guts out of it and I now feel more on purpose and more ready to step into a much 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 bigger more sustainable game <laughs> than I ever have and I'm so grateful for the lessons because um, my boyfriend said to me recently well not recently when I was in the middle of it you know crying on the bathroom floor for the 57th night in a row <laughs> he was like but you chose this And I'm very conscious with my languaging. And I was like, no, I chose to start something with three staff that I thought would change the world and have such an impact. But that's very different being a founder with a big vision to being a CEO of a very large um, global media company. So, um, But I'm so glad I went there because it's only from going there and living it rather than just intellectualising it that I can rewind and go, ah, now I can... um, have a comeback. Do something completely differently. So, that is the uh, um, the very, very, very short summary. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it, 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 it's that calibration, right? Like, often people don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. Or often people know what they yeah. want, but they don't know what they don't want. And it's through experience yes. like that that allows us to kind of test the boundaries on both sides to then go, okay, well now I'm questioning myself in a new way because I have a new experience of life and new information based on the fact that I've trodden that path before. Yeah, yeah. Like, what on earth inspired you to to go out there and start this in the first place with with three staff that had absolutely no experience in the publishing game, (laughs) in the path? Like, because it's kind of like, it's not really the way that people are taught. It's like, hey, like model excellence, go and find people that have done it before and like, you know, instill their strategies. But you kind of went like, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what everyone else tells me to do.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I, that's what I do every single day, very purposefully, very consciously. I live life very counterintuitively to the norm and the status quo and what's expected of us by society. So very purposefully, very
0: consciously.
1: Yeah, During and cut, Disruptive. <laughs> yeah, Daring and my first book in this series. Um, so the reason is this. I mean, it's manifold. Um, I was comfortable I mean this is you know cliche cliche but cliche for a reason having had a business for 11 years like you know as I said for the first while I kind of undercharged over serviced was everything to everyone had no systems and processes kind of but then um, I ended up having quite a quite a profitable um, kind of marketing and branding business. But I was bored out of my brain, you know. (laughs) I Mm. couldn't work out how to scale. I couldn't work out how to have more than three staff. And this is kind of an irony um, for people to listen to. I was always embarrassed when people used to say to me for that first 11 years, they'd be like, how many staff do you have? As if that was the only measure of success. And I'd always think, oh, this is so embarrassing. Three, and I was so embarrassed. And now I'm like, God, if only I... only had three (laughs) so it's interesting the flips um so yeah so I was I was bored um I was very comfortable from a monetary standpoint but I don't think you know comfortable is a great place to be and also I was kind of at a point of 11 years in business I was like go big or go home you know and I remember distinctly I was in Bali and I said to my staff, "Okay, I'm either going to come back and move to um move to Byron Bay and just like sit on a rock and meditate and gaze at my navel for <laughs> for 12 months and take some time out, or I'm going to like have a crack at doing a magazine." And they're like, "A magazine? Like, why would we do it?" But the only logic, and it was completely frowning at me, like, "What?" It was completely illogical. Only for the fact that I was surrounded by extraordinary entrepreneurs and thought leaders and game changers that I was kind of like, my rationale at the time was, well, if only I could smush them, very technical term, smush them all together in some kind of format and share this with the world and I was frustrated with the media I was like sick of the salacious gossip and the vacuous content and reading about extraordinary inspirational people but not understanding it was like I was reading about their Mm. success stories but I was like I don't understand how did they get there how did they fund it um what was the supply chain where did they make the product you know how did they manufacture it I was scratching my head all the time asking but how but how but why but why so I was kind of like Oh, well, I'll give it a go. And, um, and I did. And I knocked on a lot of doors. The first issue cost $350,000 and I didn't have much money. I didn't have that kind of cash to throw around. So, um, yeah, counterintuitively, I went and pre-sold it to Commonwealth bank, $200,000 they gave me. I've still never borrowed a cent from a bank other than for mortgages, but I've never borrowed a cent from a bank for business. Um, that may be crazy, but <laughs> I've never borrowed a cent from anyone else actually, and I still own it 100%. Um, in future, I'll do things differently and we can talk about that. But but yeah, so I just, I just started it. And the thing about it is, and I think this is really, really important, is that All I had at the time was this insane sense of purpose, unlike anything I've ever felt. Like, I was like, I just want to do something. I want to give a voice to extraordinary entrepreneurs and creatives. And I want to inspire people. I want to tell the story behind the story. And that's really as simple or as complex as it got. And yeah, I had no smarts around it. I mean, I had some business acumen, had no contacts, no credibility, no nothing really to speak of. But I just had this Burning, burning um, sense of purpose, and when you have that, it's all around mindset, in um, in my experience. And the synchronicity and the serendipity was just extraordinary. Like the doors that then started opening, and the things that I've experienced in the last five years just blow my mind every single day. Still, so
0: yeah. Where, where did that Where did that purpose come from? Because it sounds like like when you're in Bali, you're like, oh, I'm either gonna do this, or I'm gonna do this. And it's like and it's very much like space of being on the the fence like where did where did that where did that purpose come from like when did you wake up and it's like bang it's there like I know what I'm doing I know what I've got to do and and full steam ahead
1: so in my experience the best things happen when we're at that knife's edge you know it's like this pendulation between ah I'm so frustrated I'll just go this way or I'll go this way. And so I really urge people, like I know whenever I'm feeling horrendously uncomfortable now, it's like it's like a fire in my belly. It's like a rocket in my ass, you know, I'm just ready to go. But in equal measure I could easily run the other way. But probably from like throughout my whole twenties and before I had a true semblance of who I was and a um, you know, a much deeper understanding of what that how that measured, I would probably lean towards like running away from it because it was that feeling of uncomfortability. And I see that time and time again, across platform, whether I'm doing a speaking gig or someone's, you know, commenting on social media or sending me an email or whatever it happens to be. People are like, there's this fear or this, um, Self sabotage, we find all sorts of ways to keep ourselves small. I'm not good enough, I don't have experience. Actually, you know, that external validation we're waiting for, and so that's the uncomfortable point. And that's when I'm kind of like, okay, feel it, it hurts, it's painful, now freaking go. (laughs) So I think that was it. I was, you know, I was like, and I'm actually probably in a similar space at the moment, you know, because now that I've. Kind of closed down one iteration of the business. Um, I'm actually in that similar situation again. Like I've started working on a, a very, 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 very big tech play, but I'm still in that. I'm probably back in that space of ah, do I just whip to Byron or you know go go stare at my neighbor for a while and like actually chill or, uh, chill out for a while, or do I you know have a second crack at this? And um, we see. know so many businesses all over the world that about between year three and five they kind of falter and stumble and then they kind of go i wrote this down readjust realign recalibrate your words (laughs) at about that period and it's like okay do i shut shut up shop or do i actually dig deeper into my purpose um you know realign reassess have some time and space and that's really, those two words have been really important to me the last six months. Time and space just to sit with it, feel deeper into my purpose and kind of really question, okay, what next and where do I go? So, yeah.
0: And I, I believe that, you know, like, we all know what that is deep within us. Like, like I've never met anyone that doesn't know what they want. I've met yeah. a lot of people who have been conditioned by society or by their upbringing to not ask for what they want or people that are so goddamn busy just, like, living, right, yes. just surviving, but they're not yeah. actually in tune enough with, with what I call is like their heart or their, 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 their real spark, but they're not, yeah. they're, not, they're, not, they're not conscious enough or in tune enough to hear that, that whisper because I believe that, that our heart is constantly communicating with us, but it's not a loud voice, like it's not a screaming voice that gets louder if you don't listen. It's a subtle yeah. whisper and yeah. it's through those moments of time and space that we allow ourselves to kind of listen to that whisper and allow that to grow into the next, next direction like do you do you kind of feel like you talk about this like you know the Byron sitting there looking at navel or like doubling down like do you really feel that that's gonna that that's gonna fulfill you? like like knowing you as I have over no. like that's <laughs> a good idea but let's let's be honest uh it's probably just allowing a choice on the mini to to have that um co- you know contrast of Doubling down and allowing you to kind of, you know, consciously choose that, that it's time to make a big play.
1: Yeah. So I mean, there's, I think there's ways to oscillate between the two, and it's just about, for me, routines and rituals. Which, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, the very thought of routines and rituals made me run a mile. But actually, it's only through those that I'm able to do what I do. But there's certain like not negotiables. Like I don't start work. Before 10 a.m., so I always try and you know do my meditation, do my exercise, go for a walk with my dog Benny. You probably remember Benny, he's yeah. behind me. Yeah. Um, and then I listen to you know a podcast or I educate myself in some way because the thing is, and you just said it a lot of people just like live life according to other people's expectations or, you know, they glorify, we all glorify being busy. And there's a big difference between being busy and being productive. And so there's certain things that I just, you know, I, I just absolutely allow myself the time and space to Um, get still to educate myself to journal to really just allow myself to you know dream and think before I start reacting to the noise of the world that just comes at us all the time and I think unfortunately so many people um, for so many reasons living life according to societal expectations whatever it is um You know external factors mortgages kids money whatever it is um it people get on this treadmill and um yeah and i mean even with collective even when life was so extraordinary i was almost reacting and that was interesting because as i stepped further and further into my purpose the opportunities I had, like, you know, we'll fly you to New York to do this, you'll go to this catwalk show, runway show with this, you'll do like all these things. And I realized I was just going, Yes, yes, yes. Now they were exciting opportunities, but when someone said to me in the middle of this year, um, Let's go on a holiday, where would you like to go? I was like, Wow, where would I like to go? Well, that's an interesting decision that I have to make because I've had so many extraordinary opportunities thrown at me for so long that I haven't had to make that choice. So I haven't given myself the luxury of that choice. So even such a simple question as where would you like to go? I was like, I don't know. I actually started crying. I was like, I don't know. I've just had so much opportunity. So it can happen, I think, if we let it at either end of the scale. You either lose your identity and you're stuck at home and you're tracky ducks, you know, on the couch eating chips mm. <laughs> and you don't know who you are anymore or yeah. you step so far into your purpose that, you know, all this stuff just keeps coming at us. So either way, you can um, let other factors dictate the life you're living, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. But for me, everybody
1: gets a conscious choice.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like... Um, we live in this ecosystem. Let's just let's just look at the, the, the ecosystem in the ocean and all the different sized fish. There's yeah. always going to be a bigger fish to eat you yeah. or a smaller fish for you to eat. And it's kind of in some ways a conscious choice of where we choose to live within the ecosystem. Wherever we yeah. choose to play, as long as, as, as we are con- consciously choosing. Because I see so many people that are making decisions daily and living lives that aren't actually a conscious choice of their own. They're unconsciously yeah. choosing. Through not choosing the life. And I remember in Mark's book, The Subtle Art, uh, something that was really strong for me was you know, the question was like, are your goals actually your goals? Like, is yeah, what yeah. you're chasing right now, is what you're going after actually what you want? Or is it what you believe that you want based on fitting into society? And yeah. I see it a lot with business owners that are like, oh, hey, I want a $10 million business, or hey, I want a $50 million business. And when you get to the core of it, all they're wanting is a certain amount of money to live a certain amount of lifestyle which they could actually have as a $2 million business if they choose that. Oh. But this, this <laughs> thing of more staff or more zeros to the end that, that's driving them in a, in a direction that's actually not filling them or making them happy.
1: 100%. Yeah, and Mark's book is very good because he poses more questions than answers, so it actually makes people start thinking. Um, and that one is very interesting. And again, it's, um, it's, it's all about a feeling and an outcome, I think. And so many people just say, I want a really big yacht or I want this, but they never stop to actually think, I mean, it's like the old adage, it's the Joneses, isn't it? I want what the neighbours have or I want this because someone else has it or I think society dictates. And then it's actually interesting. I love playing this game with people when you're like, oh, wow, what do you want a big yacht for? And then, you know, and then it's like, well, because I want to look great, but why do you want to look great? Oh, and then you bring it strip, 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 strip back. And it's very confronting for a lot of people because suddenly, like you say, they're like, well, I just want to feel great or I just want to be happy. And you're like, okay, well, is that the right <laughs> the right yeah. thing? And I 100% know um, it's very interesting going from kind of what became a highly profitable business by 2012, 11 years into business with three staff, Um, to, you know, owning collective, which yes, a very big global brand, but let me tell you, the brand was way bigger than the bottom line. And I mean, I went back to not paying myself and eating baked beans pretty much for a while. So, um, yeah, just because you add a lot of zeros to a bottom line, your expenses, unfortunately, generally, um, escalate at the same pace, you know, so it's not always the answer. Mm. Um, and it's easy to trap yourself in that as well. I think we start businesses as entrepreneurs with this, um, you know, ideology of freedom. And in fact, it's the, <laughs> the antithesis of that. Suddenly we're chained to the desk and all our employees and we're arriving at work at 8 a.m. every morning because we think we need to get there before they get there. And, you know, so I love all of this and I love human psychology and I love playing with it and questioning because it's something I think whatever we choose to do, it's something that we have to consciously question every single day really
0: yeah yeah and this is where I suppose like I shared in the beginning I said you know like we don't have business problems we have personal problems that are expressed through or in, in our business because in many ways like our environment our environment and the way we choose to see it is expression of us right we, yeah. we know that that the way that our filtering system is is that me and you could be having the exact same experience of life yet yeah. experiencing that experience differently because we never see life as life is we see life as we are and yep. so seeing that we have business problems is us choosing to see them as problems over opportunities or over, you know, chances to grow and
1: evolve. 100%. And that's, um, you know, that's a mindset flip. And so people often say to me, oh my gosh, I mean, I love all this stuff. You know, when I started my business in, um, 2001 I remember something like I couldn't pay an $80 invoice or someone couldn't pay me I just remember $80 and having a meltdown about $80 <laughs> and I'm like you know you said before small fish big fish like everything is relative and what scared me then is very 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 different um, to what scares me now and um, and it's all about you know mindset flip back then um, you know A few tricky things came at me and a few exciting things came at me. And now it's like, you know, every six minutes something freaking amazing comes at me, but also something freaking scary comes at me. And so I've had to learn. People go, well, how aren't you, you know, well, permanently catatonic in a ball rolling around on the floor? (laughs) And the thing is, I've learned to train myself to go, wow, that was really tough, but that'll make a great chapter for a book. Or wow, I really learned from that. I won't do that next time. Or yeah. So it's how we choose to see things through what lens and how we choose to learn from it and for me share the lessons learned. So yeah. I make it about something much bigger than me.
0: Yeah, and I don't see the 56 nights in a row you're in the, you're on a ball in the bathroom crying either. Like this is a beautiful yeah. thing is that, you know, even for us to post something on social media, you know, vulnerable rural or not, people still have a perception of what that means for them based on where they're at. You know, like I often hear, oh, yeah, but, you yeah, you've got money or, yeah, but you've got this. And it's like you say, it's like the problems don't change, right? The problems that you have down here relative to being down here, the problems you have up here relative to being up here, there's still yeah. challenges, there's still fear, there's still opportunities wherever you're playing within the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and... Um to paraphrase Oprah, what does she say around, you know, money just amplifies whatever it is you are. You know, if you're a narcissistic wanker, well, you're probably going to (laughs) be, that's going to be amplified. Or if you're a beautiful soul, well, you'll probably, you know, we have this choice to keep stepping with however our life evolves. But I am also fascinated about this, um, you know, societal misconception. I'm always, because I'm very, you know, raw and, um, open and vulnerable and authentic across my social media channels, or if I'm doing a speaking gig and through my books, but it doesn't matter how much you say to people, you know, I nearly sunk the business or I just, you know, whatever, whatever. And they're like, oh, anyway, can you invest in my, I'm like, oh my God, however much you say it, they still have this perception of whatever it is that they want to, um, you know, take on from what their, their perception of you is, I think. So I'm always fascinated and perplexed by that.
0: Yeah, well, often I think we take, people don't take long enough to actually sit in the reality of, of, of what's happening. about yeah. like the, the, the yacht, it's like, okay, let's sit in the reality of me owning a yacht. What does my business have to look like? What does my life look like to have something like that? And yeah. and there's always, in, you know, there's, there's sacrifice for, you know, investments that we need to make in order to have, something else it's not it's not all you know like like someone once said to me that you can't get rich collecting one-sided coins like life is duality and so yeah, with every yeah. coin there is an effect. Oh, like like, that. this is the way that life is designed and so if you want more of this one that's cool but you also have to have more of this one you've got to ha- be able to handle more of this to have more of this it's not all plus plus plus
1: yeah 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 and it's like how much you're prepared to lose you know how much i don't know i mean luckily i've got a rather large propensity for risk. So I keep, you know, pushing it and pushing it. I'm going to push it a little more sustainably in the future. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I freaking love it. You know, I love that. I have a huge appetite for risk and I love playing a big game. So yeah.
0: yeah. What, what are the, some of the, what are some of the things that you have set up in, in, in life both uh, you know, internally, non-physical and physical externally that allow that, that comfort zone to take risk. Like I, I, I know for me, um, I'm, I typically am very emotional around money. Right.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, and it's always been that way. And don't tell me I need to get a coach. Like I've been coached on this shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> all I've learned is to put things in place that allow me to take that emotion away, like put automation in place, put other people in place to manage that stuff. So therefore I'm not needing to be involved to a degree in that right? Which then allows me to take different risks to my business. Like I'm curious to know with you, like what are the things that you have in place both internally and externally that, that still allow you to have that appetite and ability to take risk?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so money, money is definitely one. So, um, I mean now more than ever, I am like so intimate with my data. It is not even funny. And you know, that for years, well, actually it's not true for probably first three years of collective so um, I was you know all over it like I knew exactly you know every single KPI every single budget what was coming in what was going out like I was all over it and then we grew too fast and scaled and I kind of took my eye off the ball and kind of gave that responsibility I had a COO CFO general manager had all the all the all the O's in there all the C's and um and actually you know unfortunately as a creative like you've got to have those extraordinary right-hand people that you trust implicitly because everything for me is about data it's like you know can i write you know pretty much i write two books a year but it's like i need to know exactly what channels they're selling through how much we're pumping behind them in terms of advertising or pr like what's the what's the input and what's the output and so um that's imperative for me but what i would say now and i'm not quite answering your question but um I've put in place since Breaking Collective um, six months ago or so, I actually have decentralised most of my um, my workforce now. So I've gone back to rather than lots and lots of full-time staff, which is a very, very hefty cost base, um, you know, things move so quickly. I have taken... Um, on a lot of freelancers and consultants. So I actually made a whole lot of my stuff redundant, very boring, very expensive, and then offered them all you know, freelance positions, um, which is kind of great because um, the way that we work is changing and evolving so much. And I found that so much of what we were creating was how to have your own side hustle, how to whatever. And I was kind of like, well, I need to let my, my own team be able to do that. And actually it's a much more sensible way for me to work because... Mm. Now people work on a project-by-project project basis. They all have specific KPIs um, associated with that project. And, you know, if they reach those, then they get more work. And so that kind of thing has made it much more simple um, to have a much more flexible workforce and, um, and much more under control. Because my fabulous... Um, you know, CFO Kate is looking at data every single, every single morning she feeds me reports about every single thing that's going on. So um, yeah, that gives me some sense of safety and security now to be able to keep taking bigger risks. And the interesting thing about that decentralized workforce is when I had 32 full-time people sitting in an office Um, With the magazine, we'd be creating a cover and really three people needed to be involved in that conversation. But suddenly I'd have 32 people all in that. But now because people are working from all over the place, Um, it's much more efficient so far because they're only working on the projects that they need to work on. Um, They don't know about what they don't need to know about and we all come together when we need to. So I actually think, you know, it will be quite extraordinary the scale that we can now reach um, working in a very different way. So they're kind of, um, to kind of answer you, some of the external things, I guess, it's just looking at, you know, everyone's role is data-driven and very KPI specific now, which sounds horribly boring, but it's a much safer way to run a business. (laughs) Well, it has,
0: has, has the framework and the parameters to allow both them and you to be more creative.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is that Amy, who um, has been the editor of my print mag for a long time, she has, she wasn't even one of my 32 full-time staff. She's been living and working from Kayama, so two and a half hours south of Sydney for the last three years. She wasn't even in the office. And I would see her physically once a month, maybe once every two months. And I was like, hang on a minute. If the main person in my entire business, like literally the main person, isn't even working in the office, isn't even on a full-time salary, what the hell am I doing? So that's um that's making it much, much easier much easier for me to scale in a, a different a different way now.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And then internal Yeah, sorry, sorry
0: Greg. I was just gonna say, like in your lifestyle as well, like between living in Byron and, and traveling around for the events of things. It's, it's it's easier for you to manage as well because they're essentially on the same playing field.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we've just had to, you know, incorporate all sorts of different um, technologies and tools. Zoom that we're using right now is great and Slack and, Black, you know, Google yeah. Docs and all sorts of other things. Um, so I think, and, you know, actually my next book, which comes out next July, is all about working from wherever because I always come up with a title and then I step into it and then I kind of show other people how to live that lifestyle. But yeah, it's, it's interesting.
0: Hmm. So I've got two questions. Um, one's a bigger one. We'll come back to that, which is like, how did you break collective six months ago?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. Jump to the
0: Now <laughs> before we do that, like, what do you think was the, the key thing? Like, I know there would have been a lot involved. But what do you think was the key thing that kind of elevated you back when you started the collective? Because you know, it was pretty ambitious. You had a small team to start with, but you, you kind of seemingly went from being a nobody or, or being in the background to all yeah, of a sudden in yeah. a stage, having this massive movement, being disruptive, getting invited places and things kind of seemingly from the outside world took off. Like, what do you think was the catalyst from from the, the where you're at to, 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 to what everyone else seemed Like, what was the catalyst for that journey?
1: Yeah, and, you know, I don't think it was... Seemingly, like I think um, it just have, like living it and being at the center of it, it was freaking insane. And I have so many lessons from that. Um, the catalyst, I think, is pretty simple. It's really simple, actually, although I didn't know that until I was right in the middle of it. But if you create something that is about more than you um, and you give people a chance to belong to it, then people will carry the message and carry your business. And essentially create a movement for you, like I could never have done that. Do you know what I mean? I'm just the person at the center who's like, let's do a magazine, let's make it relatable, attainable. Let's tell the story behind the story. Let's inspire people. Let's give people a voice. Like that's really all I did. I just kind of was the brand architect and pulled it together. But it's the people like you, thank you, who um who kind of went, oh, wow, cool product. So I guess you've got to have a cool product to start with. But then I've never seen anything like it. Like, they just carried the message. And I think the trick to that or the crux of that was that I literally from the start said I might own it financially, but I don't own this. Like, the community owns this. And I think I think that's the most important thing. Like, that's the most inherent human need, I think, isn't it? Like, oh. to have Chance of belonging, to feel a sense of community, to have a voice, to feel um, like you're a part of something, and so that's all I did, really. Um, I mean, and I hustled my freaking ass off every day. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's that's the crux of anything. <laughs> Excuse me, and I can't even another way f- that I could externally say that is having been you know, having owned media for the last five, nearly six years now, um, I would have, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 stories get pitched to us on a daily basis, a little less at the moment, but a lot. And what's interesting about that is generally it's the same thing every time. So I've got this water bottle in front of me. People will be like, look, it's a water bottle, you know, oh, it's Fiji water, blah, blah, whatever it happens to be. And they'll just talk about the surface things. Um whereas I always want to know, tell me about why you started, how you started, where this comes from, what's the supply chain, you know, all that stuff I said before. And then I'm interested in the story. So I think that's the problem. So many brands just present this shiny interface about, you know, and it's a fabulous brand, let's just agree on that. But it's like, tell me more, tell me the story behind the story. So as soon as you start to do that and you take people in a journey, um, then they just come along. And I think collective as well because it did start to get some momentum and my story is and was that, you know, I had three staff under the age of 25, had no idea what I was doing. So suddenly I became this pin-up child for, oh, my God, she's got no idea either. Let's go. So, yeah. So I think we overcomplicate things, you know, just create an extraordinary brand that's a love mark that people want to be a part of and then let them carry the message for you, you know, and be as authentic as you possibly can. I think that's, that's the key.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I sent out an email to, well, my team did on my behalf to our audience today, and I called it the Michelangelo effect. Um, and it's it's like the, the word to decide in Latin means to cut away. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I call the Michelangelo effect is like when Michelangelo was asked, like, how did you carve such an exquisite uh, statue in solid in solid marble called the David? Yeah. And he said, well, it was quite simple. He said, I simply removed everything that didn't look like David. And so yes. I said very similar to business as well, is that a lot of people are busy going out there, adding more, adding more, adding more, like more, 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 more to their business, like, you know, more, more, more. And I kind of said it's the opposite. It's like remove everything that doesn't look like the vision that you have for your company. Uh, you know, I re- just get shivers. That is... <laughs> remove and strip away everything that doesn't look like that. Because like you said, like, you're always going to say yes, yes, yes to all these things. And before you know it, you're living this experience that is not... The purity of what you had for the vision for your company, and so I kind of said that very relatable to what you shared as well. As, as well as like, it's not your business; it's it's our business, and and mm. I've kind of been the brand architect to put it together, and I'm behind the scenes, but but it's but it's you guys that we stand for, and allow them to to belong to something bigger than themselves.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Which is a beautiful segue into your next question: Why did I break it all?
0: <laughs> yeah, like why and how did you break it all? That's that is.
1: Was beautifully articulated by you about you know Michelangelo and David and and um, breaking like taking stripping everything back. It was really interesting because I believe that my purpose until the day I die will be to be an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs, living my life out loud, showing that anything's possible. Like those words, I don't think will change until. You know, I'm in the ground. And for collective harvests three words igniting human potential. And I don't think they'll change. But the delivery mechanism is what people get so attached to. And, you know, so I have always said detachment from outcome, surrender, it is irrelevant. And luckily, I said this from the get go, from issue one of the print mag. I was like, it doesn't matter if it's a print magazine or I'm doing a speaking gig, making a podcast with Barry, or, um, you know, writing a book or. I don't know, producing educational videos or whatever it happens to be, we need to be able to um, be in flow and morph, iterate, pivot, change with the markets, you know? And so suddenly I found myself at the center of this freaking expensive beast. And it was literally like my CFO, I'm not kidding. I would finish work go to the bathroom floor, have a cry, (laughs) get up, go into the office. And she would say to me, I am not kidding you. Every day we need another $100,000. I was like, and it was in increments of $100,000. Some days it might've been, we need another $200,000. And I was like, oh my, holy hell, who ate the money? Like Every day it was this cyclical thing. And I was like, dude, like I signed up to create something extraordinary to make this Change and have a huge impact and open people up to possibility and inspiration and all this stuff. I didn't freaking sign up to dial for dollars every day and sell my soul. And you know, and we talked about before we hit on, you know, whatever, however much you say to people, I'm hemorrhaging, here is our bottom line, we are flatlining red. And then I would say this to all my team, and then they'd look at me and go, okay, can I have a salary increase? Like, it was like, what? Who's not getting this? (laughs) So I just was like, freaking hell. What the hell? (laughs) How? So all I had in my mind was, and now I have a different thing about David, but I was just like, oh my God, I just have to break it. I have to break it. And um, I was just like, I just got to let this burn to the ground, like cut the guts out of everything and start again. Because how did this turn into this, thing that just money eating
0: machine
1: money eating machine and none of it was coming to me i sold two properties last year and made 1.3 million dollars profit in selling two properties put it in the business and thought that's nice bridging finance and it ate that as well so i was just like this is this is not good this is not cool i meant to like i know how to run a business i'm actually a bloody brilliant businesswoman but i just found myself in this money eating machine you're right so Mm -hmm. so i just decided um you know and this was this was a really interesting space of my purpose is and this is where it's so important to just hold on to your purpose you know have this stranglehold on it and know what you stand for because when things become that you know tumultuous you've you're You could lose yourself very, very quickly and your entire identity and everything else um, because you feel like this huge failure, or you go, This is my purpose. I am not being the best version of me. I am not serving my community. I need to break this down. And that's courageous and it takes a hell of a lot of guts because it meant that I had to, you know, make people redundant. I had to do all sorts of things and you know I'm proud to say I did it all with dignity and grace and you know in the right way and I don't think I made any enemies there might be a few out there I don't know <laughs> hopefully not um yeah so I kind of burnt it to the ground and now I'm really building it back up which is good
0: so we're yeah. just building it back up like what does that look like like what is a differentiator of how it looks now to how it looks you know eight months ago say. So?
1: Um, funnily enough It's not that different externally, but it's very, very different internally in terms of what I said like I don't have that huge cost base in terms of I don't have a fixed office for the first time in 17 years so I'm working out of you know co-working space um and my team are largely decentralized and I bring them in and out as and when I need them um so that's how it looks internally and it's much 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 more sustainable um ironically I've probably almost got more More freelancers than I did, you know, internal staff, but they're all working on project by project, budget by budget, you know, all that kind of thing with very specific, very deliverable outcomes. Um, From an external facing perspective, not that different. So in April, I closed the print magazine after 52 issues and five years. Um, But what I realized was that. we had commissioned an entire issue 53. And by commissioned, what I mean is we had, um, you know, paid people to write articles and we'd done all the interviews. So we had all the content for an entirely new issue sitting on a hard drive that wasn't yet used. So once I'd like slashed and burned the guts out of the business, I was like, well, the community loves us and is so supportive. Um, Newsling, WH Smith, Coles and Woolies, everyone were like, anytime you want to bring back an issue of the mag, bring it back. Like we love you here that, you know, that we've got open space on the shelves. And so I was like, Oh, well, we've already kind of paid for this. So on the 3rd of December, there is a print issue coming out and um, which I need to watch how I manage that because I don't want to confuse people about, I slashed and burned it to the ground and now an issue is coming back. Um, But I think I will actually probably try to bring two issues of the print mag out a year just two not 12 just two um but that's very easy now that that's just it's just a nice tangible physical thing that gives voice to you know a lot of amazing entrepreneurs and inspires a lot of people and you know it holds a place but for me um I'm working with a couple of very 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 big very 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 smart people on a tech play at the moment and that's a slow burn you know that's like Really, starting with what are the major problems out there, um you know then how do we even begin to solve those, and you know, how do we build a unicorn let's see <laughs> i don't know if I've got the energy for i'm one. playing I'm playing in that space, but, as I said to you, my vision and my purpose are still you know one hundred percent as they've been since the day I started Collective. It's just that, um, you know, I know how to do print. I know how to do social and events and digital pretty well. But what I don't know is how to do a really big tech play, you know, some kind of double-sided marketplace for, for entrepreneurs. And, um, yeah, so let's see. Let's see. It's fun. It's fun educating myself and learning and playing with some of the, the big, you know, developers and coders and just playing around with different solutions at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So if the the best, the worst case scenario, the best case scenario is that I actually get to learn how to, you know, build a product end to end and, and it never gets off the ground, but Hey, it it just might. Let's see.
0: (laughs) What's this space?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm having, I'm having fun though. I'm having fun and I feel much more, zen and relaxed again which is which is nice
0: you're looking very vibrant that's what i said when i joined the call i was like i don't know whether it's the the fire and air or the water up there or
1: <laughs> i've just been to the gym so i was like i i forgot when doing zoom detail is not my thing and i'm like oh okay well anyway here i am you get me in all my raw <laughs> yeah.
0: um yeah. so for the people out there watching or listening to this today like what that are in business uh, maybe they're at that precipice that 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 knife's point like what advice like what do you think is the best or maybe the top 3 you know pieces of advice that you've ever been given by a mentor or a friend or or somebody that you know
1: well just just start because yeah, <laughs> naivety don't overthink it i mean literally just start and then iterate as you go and i think just to elaborate on that you know you can put something and i do all the time i fail all day every day you know i'll put something up on social media which gives you that real time feedback loop and i'll be like hey oh you know i'll test something and then people will be like they won't react and i think oh well i'll just knock that on the head for another day or people will be like oh yeah i want to buy that so don't overthink it just start because more often than not the idea that you think will be the business It'll change, you know, a hundred times before it is kind of market ready. So just start. Um, Have an unwavering, insatiable self-belief. Like you have got to believe in yourself more than you want to breathe almost. (laughs) Because, no, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, even at the levels and the connections that I've got, you know, there are now, you know, people say you have a failure and people drop off like flies. So you've got to just keep believing and you've got to have that um, unbelievable sense of internal validation and not need that external validation. So unwavering self-belief. Surround yourself with an amazing team. If you're anything like me, I'm like, I am a kick ass, like, one of the most insanely creative people and brilliant at ideas, but I am crap at implementation. If anything was left to me, it would never have. <laughs> so, you know, that's the self-belief thing. That's not arrogance, but I know what I'm good at. Like I'm brilliant at that, but I'm I'll back of the envelope and then I'm bored an hour later. So unless I have an extraordinary team and great implementers, nothing will ever happen. So a team is so important. I think, um, Yeah, they're probably the three key things. I mean, I could go on and on. Fail fast.
0: Yeah, just get started. uh, Insatiable self-belief and be surrounded by a phenomenal team and and kind of like know your strengths and weaknesses and be okay that you don't have to to actually perfect your weaknesses or even work on them. Find other people who know their strengths.
1: And that's it. I mean, I... I say that I'm a brand architect and I'm terrible at detail, but you know, there are people I like, I had a meeting with someone this morning who will be a great member of my team because she's like, Oh, I like to be the silent assassin. I just love to implement and get stuff done. And like, you're my girl. Cause I can't stand it. And you love it. Know your weaknesses and um, yeah, get really comfortable and unashamed about them.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, anything final you feel to share with, with, uh, with the guys out there today?
1: Not really. I feel like I've just chatted and chatted, but um, yeah. I feel we have
0: to scratch the surface though. Like we could keep going.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, we can do, if you get a good response, we can do a round two if you like. I mean, the thing is, most things that I talk about are in real time. So as I get further into this um, next iteration of the tech build, I mean, that'll be a journey that it will be interesting to take people on. Cause I literally everything I do, I do it from a layman's perspective, you know, i'm the guru of nothing really i'm just like i just learn and then i teach people as i'm learning so we'll take them on the journey so that'll be an interesting one to see see where that goes so maybe we have another conversation in six months or something
0: <laughs> yeah sounds good lisa i'm uh, i'm so grateful and humbled to have you on the show today and i, I trust that all Thank the people you. out there got a lot of value a lot of bombs um By all means, we'd love the support for you guys to to share it around your friends. Tag people in that you think that needs to hear this message and and let us know uh, let us know what you thought about what Lisa had to share.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, I look forward to connecting with you and your amazing community. More.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Don. Appreciate it.